Today on The Verdict with Pastor John Monroe. What am I saying today? I'm saying this. Authentic followers of Jesus receive the blessings of God now and forever. And there is nothing that can happen to you. There's nothing in all of the heavens and the earth which can separate us from these rich blessings that we have in Christ Jesus. Welcome to The Verdict, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor John Monroe. So much of this life is spent chasing bigger and better things. We want to accumulate more, and then we worry about keeping what we have. But the blessings of the kingdom of God never lose value and can't ever be lost. Today on The Verdict, we're considering the priority and value of spiritual blessings as we continue our study of the Sermon on the Mount. Now, here's Pastor John Monroe. We're sitting today at the feet of Jesus, listening to His brilliant teaching in what is known as the Sermon on the Mount. If you want the blessing of God, you must enter the kingdom of heaven the way of Jesus. Repent and believe in the gospel. Last time we thought of the first three of the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Jesus is explaining the characteristics of life in the kingdom of heaven. This is how followers of Jesus are to be. Are you ready to hear the Lord Jesus speak? Listen humbly. Be ready to respond and receive the blessing. Well, the Sermon on the Mount immediately follows the call of the four disciples where Jesus says to these four men, follow me. And the wonderful news is that to every authentic follower of Jesus Christ, we receive spiritual blessings. We receive spiritual blessings now and in the future. And so nine times in these opening verses of Matthew chapter five, we read these words, blessed are, blessed are, blessed are. And therefore, irrespective of your present circumstances today, whatever they are, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you are a very blessed person. Now this teaching is given by Jesus here in Matthew chapter five to those who have repented. When Jesus comes, as John the Baptist came, he said, and Jesus says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so this teaching is for those who have repented of their sins, who have believed the gospel, who are following Jesus Christ. And these verses and these chapters, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, answer the question, but what does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it look like? What kind of people are they who say that they are in the kingdom of heaven? Well, last week we thought of three of the characteristics of followers of Jesus. First of all, they are poor in spirit. Secondly, they mourn over their sin. And third, they are meek. Now today we're looking at the remaining five of the eight Beatitudes. I regard verses 11 and 12 as an amplification of the eighth Beatitude in verse 10. So what am I saying today? I'm saying this. Authentic followers of Jesus receive the blessings of God now, yes, and forever. And there is nothing that can happen to you. There's nothing in all of the heavens and the earth which can separate us 
from these rich blessings that we have in Christ Jesus. Let me read the first 12 verses of Matthew chapter 5, and then we'll focus on verses 6 through 12. Here are the words of Jesus. Matthew 5 verse 1, seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Matthew 5, verses 1 through 12. Well, let's look at these Beatitudes now. First of all, in verse 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Let's think of the hungry and the thirsty. Notice that they hunger and thirst for righteousness. Righteousness is the goal. How would you answer this question? What's the goal of your life? What's the passion of your life? In Jeremiah chapter 45, the question is asked, do you seek great things for yourself? How would you answer that? Do you seek great things for yourself? The answer is given in Jeremiah 45, seek them not. No, as we follow Jesus Christ, it's not a matter of us seeking great things for ourselves. If we put ourselves at the center of our world rather than God, that's a fatal mistake. In fact, Jesus said, the way to save your life is to lose it. So I ask you, are you hungering and thirsting after righteousness? Jesus is going to say at the end of Matthew chapter 6, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. That is, first in our life, we are to seek God, we're to love God, we're to live for God. Seek first his kingdom, hunger and thirst for righteousness. C.S. Lewis writes, look for yourself and you will find in the long run only hatred, loneliness, despair, rage, ruin, and decay. But look for Christ, and you will find him, and with him everything else thrown in. That's Matthew 6, 33. Seek first the kingdom of God. Put God first. Honor God. Seek his righteousness, and everything else in life is going to fall into its place. Now, what does it mean to seek righteousness? Well, in the New Testament, uh, there are two basic aspects of righteousness. There is, first of all, the righteousness which is revealed in the gospel. 
So Paul writes at the beginning of Romans, Romans 1, 16 and 17, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. For therein, that is in the gospel, there is, the, there is revealed the righteousness of God. And Paul majestically and magnificently throughout Romans establishes that each one of us, whoever we are, whether we're religious or non-religion, Jew or Gentile, makes no difference. Every single one of us in ourselves are unrighteous. We are sinful people. We do not do the right things. We choose the wrong things. And by ourselves, we will never ever achieve our own righteousness. But here is the gospel, that through the atoning work of our Lord Jesus Christ on the cross, there is offered to you a righteousness, not your own righteousness, another righteousness, what Martin Luther calls an alien righteousness. That is the righteousness of our Lord Jesus Christ. Something wonderful happens when we come to Christ, when we repent of our sins. He takes all our unrighteousness and gives us His righteousness. In fact, Paul tells us, this righteousness is imputed to us. It is credited to us. And this righteousness is not something that you achieve. It's not something that you work for. No, this righteousness is not achieved by you, but is to be received by you. That is, you don't work for it, but rather it comes to you as an act of the grace of God. That's wonderful, isn't it? How could you and I stand before a holy God when we are unrighteous, when we are sinful? And so I ask you, have you received this righteousness? Have you received this salvation? How can you, if, if you died right at this moment, how could you ever hope to stand before a holy God? You're unrighteous, you're sinful, you've rebelled against God. The wonder of the gospel, the wonder of the grace of God is that the righteousness, the perfection of my Lord Jesus Christ is credited to me. It's as if we're dressed uh, with filthy rags and Christ takes them all on himself and he now dresses us with his righteousness. So I can say with the authority of Scripture that if I die at this moment, I will be accepted to God, not because I'm a pastor, not because I'm inherently a good person or have done good things, but because of the perfection of Jesus Christ, received as an act of grace. But there's a second aspect of righteousness, which I think is the main focus here in verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. This is the righteousness of those who are following Christ to do the right thing before God. That is, if you're a true follower of Jesus Christ, you seek to please God. You seek to live an obedient life, to follow his commands. This is one of the evidences of the true believer that she is following Jesus. Not her own ideas, not her own agenda, but she is following Jesus. She's hungering and thirsting after righteousness. This woman, this man, seeks righteousness and justice in her own life and, can I say, in all of society. 
Righteousness exalts a nation. That's why as Christians we, we groan and we're so upset when our, our government and our politicians and our courts rule and decide things contrary to the Word of God. No, we seek righteousness for ourselves and for our society. But it begins not with society changing, not with laws changing, not with decisions coming from the Supreme Court, but it begins with our own hunger and thirst for righteousness. Notice the metaphor that Jesus is using. We can relate to it. We all know what it is to be hungry. We all know what it is to be thirsty. John Nelson Darby writes, to be hungry is not enough. He says, I must be really starving to know what is in his heart towards me. That is, there's an urgency here. Uh, there's a, a passion here. This is not a hobby. This is not just coming to church on a, a Sunday. No, this is the, the whole pivotal point of our life. One few years ago, one Saturday night, a man called me at home uh, saying that he wasn't able to sleep. I thought, why are you calling me? And he said, I, 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 since I started coming uh, to the church and, and heard you speaking, John, I've been unable to sleep. Well, I know I sometimes put people to sleep when I preach, but this man, because of my preaching, he said he wasn't able to sleep. What was his problem? His problem was he was not right with God. And he was so focused on getting right with God, he says, I can hardly go to sleep until I'm right with God. I said, I'm very glad to hear that. And a few weeks later, he placed his trust in Christ. He realized the seriousness of this. Jeremiah says, Jeremiah 29, 13, you will seek and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Too many of us play the Christian faith. We've embraced a, a superficial churchianity. No, says Jesus, I want you to hunger and thirst after righteousness. And notice the blessing. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. They shall be filled. What a promise. And it's God that does the satisfying. It's God that does the filling. Psalm 107 verse 9, the hungry soul, he fills with good things. As you seek God with all of your heart, he will be found of you. As you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, you will be satisfied. All of these other things will be added to you. That's the promise from Jesus himself. No, it's not all about achieving. It's all about receiving. I'm to find my satisfaction in God. I'm to find my satisfaction in his righteousness. That is the goal of the Christian life, not in your personal happiness, not in your pleasures, not to make life more comfortable for yourself, but to pursue God, to hunger and thirst after righteousness, and you will be satisfied, you'll be filled, Jesus says, the one who drinks of the water that he gives will never thirst again. So first, the hungry and the thirsty. Second, the merciful, verse seven, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Isn't this interesting? Now, when we think of God, we realize that God is merciful to us. 
In fact, the Beatitudes are a beautiful display of the very character of Jesus. Our God is the source of mercy. And we who are broken, we who are unrighteous, we who mess up, are totally dependent upon the mercy of God for our salvation and blessings. And as you read the Gospels, as I love, what do we see? We see Jesus reaching out in mercy. See, the focus of mercy is compassion in action. Not just thinking about it, but compassion in action. Coming to those who are distressed, coming to those who are in pain, coming to those who are troubled, coming to those who are bereaved, coming to those who are unable to help themselves. That's the gospel, isn't it? So Paul writes in Ephesians 2, verses 4 and 5, but God, listen to this, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. Do you get that? God is rich in mercy. Not just a little bit, but he's rich in mercy. And his mercy is displayed in the gift of his son for your salvation and mine. How is salvation achieved then? by turning over a new leaf, by cleaning up my act? Absolutely not. Impossible. Jesus told the story about the man in the temple who said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. That's it. That's the way of salvation, to repent, to cry out to God for mercy. And now Jesus is saying, we who have received this mercy are to be merciful to others. Luke 6, verse 36, Jesus says, Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. Matthew 9, verse 13, Jesus says, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Oh, there were religious people who were very happy to bring the odd sacrifice to the temple. And Jesus says, No, I, I want mercy, not sacrifice. You say, you, you don't find mercy in the externals of religion. You don't find mercy in legalism, in ritualism. Mercy isn't checking a box. No, mercy is a generosity and a, a compassion in action to those in need. And in the book of Luke, Jesus gives a wonderful example of that. He tells the story uh, of the Good Samaritan who, who comes across this man who has been beaten up and robbed and left half dead. And this man that we call the Good Samaritan goes, and what does he do? He ministers to him. He has mercy upon him. He doesn't know the man. He's never met him before. He's different from him. But he has mercy to a man in need. That's mercy. You ever received mercy from, from someone? It's a beautiful thought. As I was thinking about this, I remembered when I was, I think I was 20 years old, a student, and uh, I was going for a few days on a mission trip in Scotland to uh, a small town. We uh, went door to door evangelism. We preached in the open air. We went to the pubs, went into the coffee shops. Uh, we had children's meetings. We had an evangelist. We'd invite people to the evening. And I was, I was going there, and 
my, at that time, my older brother and I shared a car and he was using a car. So I said to my dad, dad, can I, can I use your car and take it for, for a few days? And uh, my dad uh, agreed. Now my dad loved his car, just as most men love their cars. And so I thought, this is great. I went with a friend. There's a couple of young ladies with us. They were in the back seat and uh, I was driving to this town. It's a country road. I remember if it was yesterday. And I was certainly driving too fast and I was coming, we're on the left-hand side of the road in the UK, as you know, and there was a left-hand corner. As I came around the corner, I saw on this country road in front of me a tractor, farmer in his tractor, and he was turning right in the field, which meant he was going right across me. And I had a decision to make very quickly. I thought, if I break, I'm going to be right into him because I was coming around that corner too fast. And I thought, I can think if I accelerate, I can get round them. I mean, it seems, you see the movies, they do that so easily. Uh, and so I accelerated, and you can guess what happened. In God's grace, none of us were injured. The farmer, understandably, was a bit upset, got the police. The police came. Uh, in the goodness of God, I wasn't charged, but I looked at the car, my dad's car, and my heart sank because the metal was pierced and it looked absolutely ugly. And I thought, I said to my friends, I, I, I can't go on tonight. We'll have to go back home and, and leave the car there. And so I drove back home. And uh, by the time we came to the house, it was about 11 o'clock at night. Uh, my dad was still up and I knocked at the door. My dad came. I said, dad, I've had an accident. Uh, I want you to look at the car. And I thought, oh. And my dad looked at the car. And uh, he then said, uh, is everyone all right? I said, yeah, everyone's all right. I said, uh, uh, the farmer, he's okay. Uh, he said, yeah. He said, that's fine. He says, we'll get the car fixed. And I remember thinking how wonderful it was that my father didn't say, John, you're totally irresponsible. I gave you my car. You're driving too fast. I bet you were showing off in front of these girls and you're never gonna have my car again. What did he do? He extended mercy to me. Did I deserve mercy? Not really. The fact was I had driven irresponsibly. I was going too fast. I probably was showing off a little bit. And I received mercy. This is The Verdict with Pastor John Monroe and a message titled, Receive the Blessing. We'll continue with part two on tomorrow's program. But remember, you can always catch up with any of these daily messages by going online to our website at theverdict.org. And to go along with our current study of the Sermon on the Mount, we'd like to send you a special resource that goes hand in hand with our series. It's a booklet by John called Life in the Kingdom, and it will help you dig deeper into the teaching of Jesus on what it really means to follow Him and apply His practical teaching to your life today. And right now, we're offering this to our listeners absolutely free. So request your copy of Life in the Kingdom or simply download it online when you go to our website at theverdict.org. And we also invite you to join in what God is doing through these daily biblical messages by supporting us with a financial gift. Your generous contributions will help keep these gospel messages on the air in your local community and enable us to reach new listeners across the globe. You can make a special New Year donation today by going online to theverdict.org. Or you can give over the phone by dialing 833-551-2231 or send a donation in the mail to The Verdict, 
Care of Calvary Church, 5801 Pineville Matthews Road, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28226. And now it's a good time to make sure you've also subscribed to The Verdict Podcast. You'll find us on most podcast apps by searching for The Verdict with Pastor John Monroe. Now, here's Pastor John Monroe. Well, what's your verdict? I challenged you as to what is the passion and goal of your life. Are you truly hungering and thirsting after righteousness? Or is your life all about yourself, your goals, and your ambitions? I guarantee if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you will be satisfied. Take your Bible and reread the first 11 verses of Matthew 5. I want you to receive the blessing of the Lord. Next time, we'll continue to hear from Jesus as we learn these Beatitudes. Thanks for joining us today on The Verdict. I'm Michelle Davies. Today's program with Pastor John Monroe was produced and sponsored by Calvary Church in Charlotte, North Carolina.